It's the American Soccer Show for the last time in Los Angeles. Eric Alcantara here with Emmett McConnell to do just that, the American Soccer Show. I think it's time we start telling people what it is we've been doing in Los Angeles, though, because if you've been listening to the podcast, just basically at the beginning of June, we made a mention that we'd moved our operations to Los Angeles, but we didn't really say why. Just kind of beat around the bush. Like, why did these guys just move to L.A.? Start a you know, blossoming podcast career? Maybe. Maybe. But, but uh, unfortunately, but, it seems that two months into the enterprise here, and it seems no one's picked us up, so it's time to go home. Yeah, we're done. Um, So we've been working at uh, Fox Sports. Can you believe they actually LA. hired us as World Cup interns? Whoa, 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 now. Don't disparage the credits here. We were a production associate. This is true. It's actually our, our complete, our completely legitimate title. If you go back and you have like the the credits that they rolled at the end of uh, Fox's World Cup coverage with that uh, thirty seconds to Mars song, "Hail to the Victor," you'll notice that our names are actually in those credits, which is bizarre. Among like two hundred other people, three hundred more than that, probably other people. Yeah. But, but hey, the important thing is to be included, and so that's what happened. We're we're in the credits, if you can believe that. We got to work in the World Cup. Got to see the. Uh figurative sausage being made of television yeah so i mean tv is one of those things that sounds glamorous and not to say that it wasn't i had a great time but it is one of those things that you don't really truly understand what's going on until you're there and then you kind of understand why there are employees that will say yeah it's basically ruined like some some people will start working in sports and then say well working in sports has ruined sports for me yeah i mean like i don't again i've only been there for what like two months yeah so uh, I don't think that it's ruined it for me. It's been eye-opening, and it's definitely like you know, in a unique experience. It has been. So that's what we've been doing. Uh, details. I mean, I, I, it's not it's not the most like glamorous job in the world. You're an intern at Fox production Sports, associate, a production associate at the World Cup. Uh, I mean, you're doing the most bare bones things possible. But hey, I mean, if you watch the World Cup, it was Fox's first time having it. Yeah. Um, they uh they had some interesting ideas some uh, yeah, about that's it. that's that's a nice way of putting it interesting ideas um and you know there's always going to be little kinks there's, and bumps in the there, road there's your first growth. time and uh, you know for those of you sitting oh i can't believe i got to deal with two more fox world cups I, you know i i want to give you some uh, i guess something to look forward to maybe there's a reason to give them another chance next time around if you remember ESPN has been well was the home of the World Cup in North America or in the United States since I think like 1994. What since it's been like even recognized as a sport in America? Well, the World Cup. I I did some research on this early on, and I found out that like so 1990 was on TNT, which oh we'll get to you Turner. We we got plenty to say, but apparently that's where it was in 1990 uh, in Italy, right? Yeah, because 90, 94 was the U.S., 98 was France. Yeah, so 1990 in Italy, I believe, uh, was on TNT. And then, like, before that, like, I think it was you, – you could watch, like, every now and again, like, a game would air on, like, CBS or NBC on, like, tape delay and stuff. That And back then, it actually would have been pretty difficult to find out who won in a given situation, like, unless you, like, read the newspaper. And even that, I, I can't imagine too many non, like, national newspapers – would have had those kinds of scores. You would have had to go to a national paper, not a local one. You just seek it out. You're not going to get spoiled if you want to watch it. It's true. So uh, in that sense, uh, we've come a long way, right? So so anyway, I, you know, I don't I don't have too much uh, experience having watched uh, many World Cups beyond uh, 2006. But I, I guess I guess my point is, even the 2006 World Cup, which was ESPN's 94, 98, 2002. This this that was a fourth World Cup, and it was not great. It was people panned that stuff 
for years after the fact, right? And ESPN listened to the criticism, and they performed much better in 2010, and I, in my opinion, still had the best produced World Cup in 2014. So I, I think that if you're if you're concerned about Fox going forward, I would say that give them a chance because you know it's it's the first one and it was never going to be perfect. And now that they've seen what it come out what it came out to the first time, I would hope that the next time they do it, they learn from it. And I think they will. There's a lot of you know, smart people working there. Yeah, I mean, we got to see that firsthand. I think there's a lot of people who know what they're doing. So. Um... It'll, it'll be exciting to see. It was cool to be there firsthand. It's the, and listen, like we're soccer people. It's the biggest soccer competition in the world. Exactly. Like so you I, better expect we're going to be there. More importantly, it also means that my career is basically peaked. I don't know about Emmett's, but mine definitely peaked that day when my credit, my name was in the credits. I mean, it's there's just no two ways about it. Where am I going to go from here? It puts us up for an Emmy. Yeah, it's true. Oh, and if we win an Emmy, you better believe we are starting every single show that way. The Emmy Award winning <laughs> American soccer show. I feel like that's uh, that might be a rule. little that might be that might be a little facetious, but hey, hey, that uh, we would have earned it in that case. So while Emmett deals with his uh, laptop apparently going offline on him, we will begin our MLS whip around coverage for the week because uh, you're here to hear about soccer, not about us. So uh, plenty also to talk about. Going to be a little bit shorter for games that happened over a week ago now because at this point it's all old news. So we started off last Wednesday. The Houston Dynamo were defeated by Atlanta United 3-1 at home. The uh, uh, Oh, my goodness, not by Atlanta United. I have it written wrong. I can't believe it. I was about to give Atlanta credit for something the Philadelphia Union did. And I know that was not an accident. You did that on purpose. <laughs> uh, some contention in this game. Uh, uh, this, the referees are absolute trash. A red card given to Tomas Martinez. Which was rescinded, so I've been already vindicated on that. Uh, l- listen, even as someone who's, like, you know, watched Union for years and has come to even support them in some way, this was a questionable call. I could see why the ref ga- gave it. If it was anywhere else on the pitch, you know, Martinez does kind of swing through and steps on the uh, Mark McKenzie's ankle, studs up. I thought it was a yellow card. You know, he's not looking at him. It's unintentional. There, there would be nothing wrong with giving that a yellow card, but he does go back after VAR and gives him a red. It's absurd. I can't believe he actually went to VAR and said, yeah, that looked like a penalty Which to me. Which opened up the game for the Union. Corey Burke scored literally with his last kick of the game was subbed off. And, I mean, Houston, given their record recently, has been like one win in seven games. Were de- at that point, they were deflated. They looked like, okay, this is a team we could win it. We could beat at home easily. After that, you know, that's the, that's the Houston that we've been seeing recently. Inconsistent and unreliable. We move on to D.C. United getting defeated at home by the New York Red Bulls. The real story here, though, the 100th goal in MLS for Bradley Wright Phillips. Best celebration of all time for a record goal like that? Taking off the 99 jersey to reveal a 100 jersey underneath? This is the kind of stuff you love. It's absolutely classic. I love it. As a a wrestling fan. (laughs) That's the kind of... You're you're absolutely right, though. Uh, Well, so here's the thing, right? The the discussion has always been, uh, at this point, was was it kind of cocky? Wearing that underneath. But as we know, a lot of soccer fans, not soccer, soccer fans should know that soccer players will wear undershirts, and when they score, they'll pull off their shirt and reveal something. Some kind of message. E- even this week, Ignacio Piatti had a message under his shirt that, you know, I'm not a fluent Spanish speaker, but I'm pretty sure it said, happy birthday, love. Yep. Congratulations <laughs> on graduating from Spanish point five. So like, I, I know it in Italian, so it's the same thing. Uh, so it's not that uncommon. Then again, he scores in the second minute, and it's a goal that should easily be stopped. I can't think, help but think DC wanted him to score it. 
I'd like to point out I'm also very happy the referee gave me yellow for it. I know he, he had, a, he had a jersey on. He took the jersey <laughs> off. No, he took the jersey off. I'm sorry. It's a yellow card. It's that, that simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, game winner, by the way, because it ended one nothing, and DC United still just aren't good enough. Uh, we move on then to San Jose Earthquakes, hosting Seattle Sounders to a one nothing loss for them. Uh, as is tradition, the Sounders are making their second half push. A goal by Rui Diaz gives them the win on the road in San Jose. My condolences to San Jose, who are the epitome of terrible. And I think we should mention that uh, when San, uh, Seattle won the MLS Cup two years ago, they brought in at the halfway point Nicholas Ladero to turn things around, bring some creativity in the team. Now we have Raul Ruiz Diaz, who could be an equivalent spark up top, which has been their weakness even that year. They've never really had a reliable forward. Dempsey at the end of his career, young Jordan Morris, uh, unreliable Will Bruin. Could we... I'd, I've, I know we've been joking about it, kind of, but I fully expect Seattle to make a playoff run this year again. We'll talk a little bit more about them in the uh, on the weekend here. We move on to Thursday. Orlando City hosted NYCFC and lost 2-0. Uh, I, I got I to gotta tell you, I wasn't sure it could get any worse for Orlando City, and uh, it did. This game, just the first goal completely, you know, characterized what they've been going on right now. A, a defender makes a tackle, deflects off Rodney Wallace's shin, off the post, and Morales taps it in for an easy goal. I think if not much else, not much else to what they're I think going if on Orlando right now just happen to be owned by like the same people that own PSG, I don't think they could buy a goal or buy a win, I should say. Which is a shame because I think like Orlando. Whenever I watch a game, it's always exciting at Orlando Stadium. It is. So that's a real tragedy. What's going on there? The other one on Thursday, the Trafico between LAFC and LA Galaxy ended in a two-two draw. I mean, you were there. Congratulations on getting to experience a Trafico in person. Heaven knows we're all jealous. Uh, this is just unbelievable to me, right? Because, again, LAFC dominates, and again, they find a way to give the game away. This time, they can at least say they got a point out of it. But honestly, I can't wrap my head around their inability to close against the Galaxy. I mean, this is... So, Galaxy, once again, we saw, uh, saw against the Union, actually, last week. Um, it always comes back to the Union for you, doesn't it? Well, no, but this is a team that's won now three games where they've won. They haven't lost. Three games in the road they've had in this stretch. One, two, and drawn one. Okay, one was against the Union, so one should be easy. But against LAFC, not an easy game on the road. No, it is not. Though I guess hostile in three on the road, they're in LA. But like, hey, okay, it's quite the drive from Carson. Yeah, the the point I'm making here is they've hit a really good stretch. They have. And at one point, I was wondering, okay, listen, they have Chris Pontius at wing back, Alessandrini at wing back, Zlatan and Kamara up top, and Gio Dos Santos underneath. Name maybe two of those can be considered guys who are going to work back, Pontius and Kamara. The rest are kind of guys who are going to stand around in defense. If you just beat the initial press, they got five guys back and you should be easily be able to hit at them. But it seems like every team that's played against them like this just gets scared and launches it, and LA Galaxy comes back and attacks. Yeah, and so the the real the shocker of it all, the Andre Horta in his debut for LAFC. Oh my gosh. He gets brought out at a time when it was still 2 nothing, and I thought that, oh, they're just icing the game now. They're, they're pouring it on. They're even bringing on their new signing to show him off, the one they've been waiting for all year now. And he just he plays the he plays a hospital ball to Tyler Miller, and Tyler Miller's left out to dry. I and, mean, and by the way, what on earth was Kamara doing there? He's, he's like just jogging back, and suddenly he's in position to take it. I mean... I mean that's the thing we're saying about them. They got the, all these, they got these five guys up top that don't really want to press. Kamara is, if you look back on it and see it, he's maybe three or four each strides atop of the eighteen when it's played, 
and yep. the and and the the um the LAFC back line is up closer to half field than to him. They had no chance of getting back. Zero. So I mean, is it good instinct from Kamara or is it just like laziness that ends up paying off? It's it's kind of laziness that ends up being paid off. Look, far be it from me to call a professional athlete lazy, but yeah, it, it doesn't look great on film. And I guarantee you, if if this ball doesn't get back there, or you know, if Horta just you know realizes he can't play this ball in that situation then I'm sure at some point in some kind of film study session, someone would be like, and why the heck are you standing there at this time, right? But because he scores, no one's going to talk about it again. Yeah, and I mean, 99 times out of 100, Horta plays his pass back to his keeper and is fine. You it know, just so happens that it's normally the, the right safe place. pass. Horta basically under, under shoot, underpasses it. And it, not a good debut for him. He does try to re- uh, redeem himself. He does end up hitting the post late in the game, but it just wasn't enough. And I feel bad for him in that sense because that's not a great first impression. I mean, LAFC hit the post three or four times that game. They this is true. They really did have the better of the chances, they I thought. could have had many more. I mean... Should have probably had the game the, put away by that. The point. one standout was Tyler Miller's save late in the game. Oh, fantastic. Zlatan should have passed, though. <laughs> We're talking about the right one, right? Yeah, he, yeah. No, he does pass. Well, oh, no, he shouldn't have passed. Yes. And uh, Tyler Miller like dives across the goal in a 2v0 situation to stop Kamara. I like what you said about it, right? Because you said that he basically sells out for the pass, like... He know he figures that Zlatan's probably going to score one on one. So if he does decide to pass, he's just going to go all out to try to save that one. He can get into a position where he can spread himself if it goes to Kamara. I mean, let's like so the way he plays it is if Zlatan finishes near post, he has no chance, and he's aware of that because it's probably going to go in no matter what happens. So he already starts going across once he sees it happen. I mean, it's a gamble you make every once in a while. Pays off, you look like a genius, which is what happened here. It's true. Tyler Miller looked pretty great in that moment, and I thought he might have rescued the the win for LAFC, but it was just not meant to be. Also not great for them is the loss of Mark Anthony K to a season-ending injury. Their midfield death should be able to absorb the blow, but you hate to see it. It looked like he may have finally been coming into his own a little bit, and you know he's going to be out for the rest of the season. You have no idea how an injury like that affects a player, so... Uh, best wishes to him, but yeah, it is unfortunate. And But I do think they also have the depth to kind of absorb it in the midfield. In fact, it may actually help them a little bit in the sense that they might finally be able to you know, get get everybody some more minutes because that midfield is pretty clogged up now. Yeah, they don't really have – won't anyway. give Bradley as much of a headache, but he has – you know, Mark Anthony K has been looking very good recently. Uh, he's young in the American sense of soccer at 23. Like, you know, a year or two out of college. In the European sense, he's five years from being a youth player. So uh, I do think it's a loss, especially considered uh, defensively. You know, Bradley has mentioned he asks a lot of his midfielders to defend. But when you look at Lee Wynn, Benny Failhaber, guys who are previously number 10s, Andre Horto is not a huge guy. He's not exactly looking at a midfield here with defensive stalwarts. That's true. And uh, that that may be a problem going going forward. Uh Lee Wynn. I thought it was his best game. You mentioned him, though. I thought it was his best game in an LAFC jersey, all things considered. Really quality player. The free kick goal. Um, I mean, we, everyone knew he was such a talented player, even at a New England team that was horribly mismanaged by Jay Heaps. Uh, so Clearly. Finally, and, and, and here's the thing. is Bradley had mentioned again, like, he, he says, listen, you're going to have to get back and defend, which it makes it harder to attack when you have that responsibility. Uh, so it is impressive that he's been able to take on that extra role and still be, you know, just as effective. Yeah. So we move on then to Saturday's action. It was the Montreal Impact hosting Atlanta United. Atlanta United goes to Montreal and wins 2-1. I 
I think this shows exactly where the impact are now. Earlier in the season, I think they would have gotten their doors blown off in a game like this. Now I think they have a little more fight in them, some more defensive qualities. Atlanta are just on another level, I think, because they controlled essentially the entire game until about the last 10, 15 minutes when Montreal finally found a goal from Ignacio Piatti. But I, I think took his, who didn't take his shirt off, but he revealed a shirt underneath, yeah, right. which I thought was uh, I thought they were going to try to make that like a yellow card thing. I don't know if I for uh, I mean I think trying to display a message underneath. I think technically for like breaking the uh, the wardrobe code or something, what would it be called? Dress code. Sure. I think technically that's a uh, supposed to be a booking, but that's kind of lighter if you keep your shirt on. I mean, I think he wished his that's, wish I mean, his I'm, wife I'm happy a, birthday. I'm okay with yeah. it. It's just like. It's fine. It's not a political message. It's not, you know, it's not something that you're going to need to crack down on. Maybe just a small slap on the wrist like, yeah, he's been warned and he's going to do it once a season. Yeah. Unless he's got, you know, several paramours that he's with happy birthday to. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, now that wouldn't that be awkward when he puts that shirt up and it's not his wife's birthday? Oh, wrong one. I mean, but <laughs> other news is Martinez gets two in this game. Okay. I got I got something serious for you. Very serious here. This is I saw MLS on Facebook putting out the questions. Latan or Martinez? They asked if you were if you were like a title contending uh, general manager, who would you want on your team to build around? And I thought to myself, why are we even having this discussion? That is such an absurd question to be asking in my book. I love Zlatan. Zlatan's a fine player and he scores plenty of goals. But you're asking about a player. You're asking me whether I would have the striker with the most goals this season. It's not even really all that close, by the way. He's on pace to break the record. Not just break the record. He's about to shatter the, the thing. Single season goal scoring record. He already broke most MLS hat tricks in two seasons. He is on fire. The man cannot be stopped. He scores against everybody. He scores all kinds of goals. There's nothing anybody can do to really you know keep him down, it seems. And you ask me if I would take that guy or I would take Zlatan who is a fine striker, like I said, but he's probably not playing on too much turf. You saw he, he got voted to the All-Star game and chose not to go because his injury uh, concerns on playing on that turf. You have a player in Zlatan who is significantly older. I mean, I, if you're trying to build a championship-winning team, I understand that the age really isn't a factor because you assume he's going to be around the rest of the season. But seriously? I mean, with Zlatan, you have a guy who's in the tail end of his career. It's an asinine Who question. doesn't doesn't track back, doesn't really defend all that much. With Joseph, you got a guy who works hard for 90 minutes, who gets scrappy goals, Latan, who gets wonder goals. So they both kind of get goals out of nothing. But I look into the stats here. Joseph, 24. I think we just determined that single-season goal swing record is 27. So he's going to run away with it. In uh, 1,933 minutes. That's a goal every 51 minutes. Sorry, every 81 minutes. Zlatan has 15 goals in 1,243 minutes. That's a goal every 83 minutes. So just, Joseph really only does beat him by two minutes. And I say only, but that's a that's still pretty dang good. Zlatan has six assists to Joseph's three. So I can see statistically where this question comes up. But when you look at what they... Just how dominant Joseph has been. And how... It's not that Zlatan hasn't been dominant, but he's streaky. Joseph is there working hard every game. If Zlatan disappears, he disappears. And he's been known in his time as Europe for being a guy who could disappear in a big game against big teams. He would not like if you heard him say, if you if he heard you saying that, but it's true, right? I just I cannot believe that they would put this question out there because it uh, it seems like low hanging fruit to me. Like, oh, who would you rather have, the big name or the star studded kid who's clearly better? Like, it's just uh, whatever. Uh, it's a harmless question in the grand scheme of things, but it, it rubbed me the wrong way. The New York Red Bulls hosted Columbus Crew and lost 2-3. The Crew's future is more uncertain than ever. It seems like there's going to be a vote coming soon. 
in Austin as to whether to approve that stadium or not. I, I never fully understand what's going on with that anymore. But anyway, going to Red Bull Arena and getting three points, always big. Uh, not an easy win by any means. The crew went up one nothing. The Red Bulls basically bombarded the goal. But they could not convert, and so the crew took advantage by scoring two more goals and then going up 3 nothing. But again, nothing easy. That second half was not good. The crew could not stop New York's attack. Two unanswered goals and a very good chance late in the game for Bradley Wright Phillips and Alex Moyle was squandered. So the crew did just barely scrape away the three points. That Moyle finish was... Rough, and he's another guy who's been known for that. Um, also, I mean, Stefan made potentially like a goal of the month save on a uh, header from Aaron Long earlier in the game off a corner kick. Spreads oh, yeah, out from, right. from yeah, like header from like six finish. yards out. Oh, the, fantastic save! When like finish. the finish wasn't there, it was a great shot. But yeah, so it's a I, I we mentioned earlier these are two really tactically strong teams end to end stuff, but. Think about three-goal lead. The fact that that isn't safe when you go to Red Bull Arena is crazy. It's true. Red Bull probably shouldn't even have three goals. Okay, yeah. The fact that you play this team and three-goal lead isn't safe is, I think, okay, yeah, you lose at home is never a good thing, but losing Jesse Marsh, your head coach, who's been so influential, it's. I think it's not a terrible sign for Red Bulls. It's true. Uh, bold decision by Chris Armas, uh, in case you've been living under a rock, the current Red Bull manager now. A bold decision to go with the strange, very strange, 3-3-3-1. Which, if you remember, is the formation that beat Chicago 4 nothing in last year's uh, MLS Cup playoff. It's interesting because it's either, like, really dominant or just completely Swiss cheese with full of holes. And in this case... It's never Col- in between. In this case, Columbus, I mean, Columbus withstood kind of the storm, right? Because I mentioned they went up one nothing, and then Red Bull, the Red Bulls completely dominated that stretch of the game until... Columbus found their way back in the attacking third and then just kind of took over the game from there. It clearly didn't work. Uh, I I got to tell you, I'm I'm not buying that one as a long-term one, but it uh, was changed almost immediately after halftime with the arrival of uh, Kaku and Bradley Wright Phillips. So. Or two guys who should... I mean, listen, this Red Bull team has a lot of depth and good young players, but those are two guys who should be first names in the team sheet every, t- every time, right? So. So I'm going to go ahead and guess this isn't here to stay, but I just thought it was interesting. It's been a while since other than that playoff game that uh, we don't talk about. So other than that, I, I can't remember the last time I saw someone actually march a 3-3-3-1 out there. But the thing is, it, it can look different depending how you line it up. Well, it's, like every formation. Quit picking semantics out. I want to have some fun with the, the diamond that, midfield. It's, the th- it's, it's like the Johan Cruyff formation. It really, lo- it really looks like a, like a science project when you just see like 3-3-3-1. Three, 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 it's like it's it, like someone thought, oh yeah, I'll just run a 3-3-3-3 three, 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 and then realize, oh right, I can't do that. That's too many players. And then just decide, eh, whatever, 3-3-3-1. Three, 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 it's one. like you have a box of nine and then just a guy. Sitting. Yeah. It's like it, thinking, it, thinking outside the it box. It looks absolutely absurd. But hey, you know, it's, it's It sets fun. up differently. They definitely got something wrong here in the, fir- in the first <laughs> yeah, half. So I don't think they argue with that. That's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, maybe you should have asked him. In the you should have called into the press conference. Did you think you got your tactics wrong? Oh man, yeah, that probably would have went over well. <laughs> uh, Toronto FC three, Chicago Fire zero. Um, yeah, five straight losses by the Fire. I'm about ready to call it quits, folks. I'm willing to give newer players time to readjust and continue to integrate Delu and Solonyak and Mihailovic back into the squad. I, I've been pre- basically saying this for the last like two months, right? Like, oh yeah, sure. When the injuries, you know, finally come back, the injured players finally come back, everything will, you know, kind of turn itself around. I don't. I, after this run, they've lost five in a row. 
I, in the MLS anyway. I I don't know. I got nothing. They look awful. I mean, you're not out of the playoff hunt. Not. Nah, that's true. Um, but probably time to focus everything on the U.S. Open Cup, uh, given that you're in the semifinals against yes, the Philadelphia Union team that is very mercurial. The, the, the thing here is Toronto, we're never really sure what we're going to get out of them. Is this a case of Chicago being bad or Toronto being good? Because they're also, they're behind Chicago still. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and chalk it up to this point that the fire are just aren't very good. I'm, I'm not buying into the Toronto turning it around just yet. Now, here's the thing. Back-to-back victories against the fire. That's, at this point, I'm not touting any of that. Uh, uh, they did the same thing against the Union. That's pretty much the only teams they've beat so far. And, like, Orlando. Uh, like, beating Boston. They've lost to Orlando has, has, like, won, like, one game in the last, like, ten or something ridiculous like that. And they've lost, they've won, the only win was against Toronto. Like they, it's gotten to the point where like I, I just don't buy into Toronto. I think that I think this season will probably end up lost for them. I think they waited. Well, not waited. Obviously, it wasn't like a conscious choice, but like turnaround happened too late. The turnaround is going to happen too late. I think. I think it, it hasn't really, even happened yet. It hasn't I, even really happened. It really hasn't because these two wins against the Fire, they're just they're not doing it for me, right? I'm not buying it there. And then they lost before that, so they have a four game stretch and they lost three of the four. They lost one to Minnesota United. They lost one to the Red Bulls. They they tied Sporting Kansas City, which is a pretty decent result in and of itself in sport in Kansas City. But like losing to Orlando City, who's been completely hapless recently, it, it's it's not working. And I'm not buying it. Beating the Fire twice just it's not enough for me. So I'm not buying it. I think uh, I think it's a Seattle only type of year for that big comeback. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's not like. It's it really is hard to flip that switch. I know we I know we made reference to it earlier in the season and talked about how it's possible to turn that switch on later. We thought that the the Toronto would be capable of it when we talked about them throwing all in in the Champions League. It hasn't happened, and I think it might just be too late. There's six points out, not impossible, and again they only have to catch up to like New England. Montreal and Philadelphia and Chicago. So this is true. They do have that going for them. It's not. I guess I shouldn't say it's over. I guess I should just say that I. I I'm it, not convinced. Whoever gets saying. that sixth spot right now, I gotta tell you, I don't know if they would deserve it anymore. And they're gonna have to go up mean. against either NYCFC or the New York Red Bulls in that first round and have a really tough game on the road. I will say this: I wouldn't want Toronto in a playoff game because if the if the good Toronto shows up, you you are in massive trouble. You'd want any of those other. T- I mean, here's the thing, though. Montreal in the playoffs hasn't been a pushover either. True, but this I'll take a, them any It's day a different Montreal team, obviously. Um, so, yeah. So take what you will. These were these are not two teams that have been uh, as impressive as they were last year, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, DC United 2, Colorado Rapids 1. On this edition of Good News, Bad News, it's the Colorado Rapids. Are you excited? Uh, yeah, I'm on the edge of my seat. Good news is Kellen Acosta scored a very nice goal in his Rapids debut. Nice little chip. Just barely gets it over the defender, uh, Steve Birnbaum, who tries to head it out but just can and is as it's placed absolutely perfectly. Reminded me a little bit of uh, Dos Santos's goal against the U.S. in that Gold Cup back in 2011, where they, he chipped it over. Uh, I can't remember who was in the post, but you know Tim Howard's off his line. He chip he chips it over everybody, and the defender just haplessly tries to jump up and can't get to it. He got pretty close in that extent. I think he like pinned the ball against the post for a second, but couldn't keep it out. So that's that's the good news. Bad news is he missed the penalty, Kellen Costa did, and they lost anyway. So 
I thought it was a decent move to bring Kellen Acosta in, all things considered, but I don't think he actually can solve any of their problems, which exist both in offense and defense. So he's pretty good on both sides of the ball, right? So you think it's not the worst idea to try to get a player who kind of helps uh, fix both of your holes, but the reality is that I, I he's a fine player. I just don't think he's good enough on his own to influence a team like that. I don't think he's that kind of player. I mean, sometimes your team is just missing a little bit. Maybe the case of Seattle and Rui Diaz, maybe the case with... Um, you know, Chicago and the Lou when he comes back or what have you. But uh, this is looking more to me like a situation, the team that has a lot of problems. They tried to bring in like 13 players in this offseason. And as we saw with Orlando, that didn't work there. It's tough to bring in that many players and completely reintegrate them into a squad, uh, create a new identity. So Colorado, I, and again, Callum Acosta is a guy who wasn't even starting for FC Dallas. It's not exactly this is like a guy who's, you know, a top five player in the league. This is true. He has his own problems that he's got to work through. Rooney, meanwhile, got his first goal as a member of DC United and also pays for it with a broken nose later in the game. Hopefully he's okay. Also, great shot through the five hole of Tim Howard. Nice way to introduce yourself back to Tim Howard. I think they uh, they know each other back from their times in England and at Man United at the same time at one point, of course, too. That's great. By no means a convincing win for DC United, though, whose winner was a deflected own goal by Nicky Jackson. Not a... Yeah, I mean... Not a good day at the office for Colorado. D.C. still has some games in hand. They've only played 18, for example, the most in the league right now. In I know the you East, love that. 23, five games away, but they're at 17, and they're still not exactly the best team in the league. Looking stronger. Steeberry, Rooney, Assad, Acosta kind of all meshing fairly well. But that defense is pretty porous, so I'm not, I'm not sold there. Yeah. You know what team I'm sold on? FC but, Dallas. They went into Sporting Kansas City Stadium and won 3-2. If you had any doubts, I think FC Dallas are for real. The scoring started with Michael Barrios scoring for FC Dallas in the 23rd minute. His first goal of the season. How about that? There's also then also a brilliant solo play by Gerso Fernandez. He strikes the ball into the bottom left corner and gets the equalizer in the 50th minute for Sporting Kansas City. And after this, the game basically became the Michael Barrios show. Also, apparently spurred by the, uh, the acquisition of Dominic Baggi, he decided to go in there and just... Take over. Hat trick for him. He scored two more goals to help propel Dallas to that 3 1 lead. And then Sporting Kansas City do get a late consolation thanks to Dominic, uh, Daniel Shaloy. Um, yeah, so this is. Should be noted that Sporting Kansas City has been on a bit of a down patch recently. It has been. It's kind of quieter of a downturn. They've been, uh, you know, undisputed number one for a while, you know, second maybe only to Atlanta United if only just barely early in the season, down to fifth place. 33 points, 9 adrift Dallas in first, who, you know, maybe it was tactical to drop out of the CONCACAF Champions League early to the lowly Taro. I'm disgusted that you would even say that. That is so <laughs> absurd. I can't. Well, I still can't believe that's the same team. Well, let's look, at, let's look at Toronto's in 10th, Seattle's in 10th. Okay, the Red Bulls are in third. That mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe it doesn't sell as well. <laughs> I mean, but, to be fair, they yeah. also choked in the... Uh, in the in the knockout stage, which is what they always do, so you know it's, uh, it's classic Red Bull. Classic. Dallas here, kind of, we saw them two years ago, dominant in the league, great season, winning the supporters cup, supporters cup, right? Shield. Supporters shield, whatever. Come on, it's, man! It's not a, a ton of, it's more of a disc. Uh, supporters disc. That's why it's a shield instead of a cup. So yeah, I mean, and then last year they were they were down, had a bad year. Now they're back up. Barrios is a guy who was huge in that season. Two years ago, coming back, he's, he's been non-existent. So, 
could be a good re- you know revitalization and a good point for Dallas, who, to be fair, doesn't really need it the way they're playing. And here's the thing. You talked about Sporting Kansas City struggles. They haven't won a game in five straight. Their last MLS win was against Houston on June 23rd. So it's been a little while. They've they've been struggling a little bit. They were great to start the season. It seems to have slipped all slipped them all the way to fifth place in the West. Uh, the good news for them, Felipe Gutierrez is getting closer to fully fit again. He's made his way back into the eleven and looks to be almost uh, ninety minutes match fit, and that'll help tremendously along with when they get Johnny Russell back from that MCL injury he suffered in training. Not not great. That's definitely a good player that they'll be missing, but. If they can get those guys back healthy, I think Sporting Kansas City was turning it around. They're just too good not to. Yeah, it could be a case of them being figured out. I don't think that's the case. Vermees is a good coach. Um, this was a game where Michael Berrios made Ike Opara, the defender of the year, look absolutely silly back there. Uh, you know, a guy who hasn't scored this year, hasn't really played, kind of doing that. So Sporting definitely has some things to, to figure out. Um, I do hope it's not a case of, you know, just – strong early season and dropping off because they were fun to watch and I'd like to see them get back there. That's true and their atmosphere is great and credit also Oscar Pareja for getting his team together time after time in FC Dallas. He's got a lot of moving parts this season. They didn't just get rid of Acosta. They got rid of uh, Mauro Diaz as well. Two guys who I think two years ago we would have said would probably be the lifeblood of this team yeah. going forward and that hasn't really obviously didn't pan out. So. Lost Walker Zimmerman this last year to LAFC at center back. Came in with um, Ziegler who's been good. The Reggie Cannon right back. They've just had a lot of young guys stepping up and people who we didn't really Bull, expect all Red things Bulls considered. West. Yeah, Red I mean, Bulls, they, Texas. they find people who fit in. Daniel Shallow is another example on the wings, a young guy who's fit in well there. So, Congrats to them for, so far, having a great season. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps 4, Minnesota United 2. So when I talk about talked about Minnesota being a, def, a defense away from getting into the playoffs, I think this is what I'm talking about. I, I, that said, let's not take it away from Alfonso Davis, who absolutely stole the show in this one and put his team on his back to get the victory. That kid is good, and it looks to me like Bayern Munich, the move to Bayern Munich has only helped him. Maybe give him a little bit of confidence as he came in with this one. was, oh, my God, absolutely stunning goals. He, he I mean, was remarkable. Maybe it was, it was Minnesota just being bad defensively, but it's – Either way, that's great technique. I mean, I think the score was not even really reflective of the game. It was 3 nothing until the 82nd minute, and then it was 3-2 in the 87th. The late rally by Minnesota made it look better than it was, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota's and Vancouver haven't been anything impressive this year, so one team being stronger than the other I don't think sways our opinions on either of them all that much. It's true, uh, but this is the kind of game, if I, if I was Minnesota, that – I mean, that's, it could be a massive result if you go out and steal points there. It's if Minnesota again. I keep saying it. These are the kind of games you have to be able to win if you want to get into the playoffs because they they cannot continue to give up that many goals. It's just not going to work for them. They're one point behind Vancouver now in eighth, and three behind sixth place Salt Lake City. So it's not by any means over with them. Plenty of the season left to play, um, but they have so many problems. That's true defensively. and uh, But, I mean, see. we did say, you know, Quintero up top, Ramirez. They brought in some good pieces attacking-wise. Both Ibarras. Yeah, Ibarra. So they're, I mean, something to be feared, I think. If but Definitely can't take them lightly because they will score. It's not score. like last year in the beginning of this year. And where score. And score. And how score. much will they score? And score. This isn't Atlanta United here. And score. But yeah, their attack is much stronger. This isn't the team last year that just got steamrolled over and over. This is a team that's, you know, they're at MLS quality now, but they're not 
yet good enough to be a playoff contender. I'm kind of rooting for them a little bit. I'd like to see I, it. Their moves this season have been nice enough. I think they deserve something nice. Uh, San Jose, speaking of teams that don't deserve anything nice, though. San Jose Earthquake 0, Real Salt Lake 0. Um, to quote the the great Jose Mourinho, I, I have nothing to say. It has been 300, except for this. I, it has been 304 days since the San Jose Earthquakes have won an MLS match against a team that wasn't Minnesota United. It was a 2-1 victory over Portland back on September 30th, 2017. That's not even this season, mind you. That's 2017. I'm disgusted by that stat. I'm, I, I, I don't even know what to say to that. It's so bad. Man, it's funny that Minnesota is their punching bag. They somehow have seven draws this year, 13 points, I'm and disgusted. are the undisputed worst team in MLS this year. That punching bag that if you play, you should be getting points against, um, despite those two wins and seven draws. Uh, you have to be, if you're a team that happens to you, you got to be kicking yourself. Um, meanwhile, for RSL, with a minus eight goal difference, still in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, not really much to say about either of those teams. Nothing, haven't really been excited about either of those two. Uh, it's like a five-team race for that last playoff spot in the West, and it looks like no one really wants it all that bad, right? We're moving on. Portland Timbers 2, Houston Dynamo 1. Fernando Adi scores the winner in his final game with the Portland Timbers. How about that? What a nice story. He'll That's be heading great. to Cincinnati as a designated player. Interesting choice for them. I don't think he's quite that level of player, but I do think he's a good player when you're jumping to have, into MLS. He's a proven goal scorer in the league, so yeah, as Minnesota found out last year, goals could be hard to come by if you don't have uh, MLS-level talent to score them. So uh, I think that's a good move for them, all things considered. I, I, I know he's listed as a designated player, but I don't think his salary is actually all that high. So I think that within a season, they'll probably be able to buy him down and reopen that DP spot. And again, yeah, look, you're built, they're building a squad. They're currently uh, a fringe uh, Division One side with how they play in USL. So uh, you got to add some pieces somewhere. And that, that that's a guy that was available. I think it was a great it's good business for them. Yeah, they also bring in uh, Fataya Lashi from the yes, that Sporting, uh, not Sporting, San Jose, from that San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, but great, great to see Portland uh, for Fernando Addy getting that goal. He really is loved there for his time as being a dominant striker. Samuel Armenteros came out of nowhere to become the number one. Uh, well, er, well uh, Addy kind of just languished and kind it's of true. stopped producing. And another case of Houston just. You know, being inconsistent and being in a terrible streak of results. Portland's still unbeaten in MLS since April 8th, back when Orlando City was still allowed to win games. Good turn, great turnaround by Giovanni Savarese, the coach there. Absolutely. Has had time to fix things. I mean, honestly, there's some players in that team. I was like, Elvis Powell is a big dude. He's fast, gets an assist in this one. Might be one of the better fullbacks in the league. Just is scary running at you. The guy's like six yeah. three and fast. Basically a truck. Great talent for the Jamaican national feet. team going forward. Yes, absolutely. So they have some exciting young talents. Blanco and Valeri are still, you know, dynamos in the midfield. Diego Chara. Portland team has been looking, you know, doesn't look like slowing down. It's going to be Houston, very difficult to play. Well, Houston has basically come to a screeching halt. This is true. Houston have definitely allowed their bad run form to kind of put a damper on their playoff hopes. The good news for them, of course, is they only sit four points back behind a Real Salt Lake team that probably shouldn't be in the playoffs. So It's still there. It's there for anyone's for the taking. Anybody who ever wants it more. 
Seattle Sounders 3, NYCFC 1. I think this was a statement win for the Sounders. Not only do they win, but they win in convincing fashion. Their attack seems to have finally found some stability with the signing of Ruiz Diaz, which I was saying since it happened was a great move. Very good. Very good. Uh, I still worry about their back line, though. They've been able to sort of mask some defensive issues by just using tons of defensive tactics and a lot of just backtracking. I mean, it's not to say you can't play offensively without exposing yourself in the back, but it does become a little easier to be exposed when you're committing numbers forward. And it looks like they might finally be heading in that direction because suddenly they've got a pretty solid front four, if you ask me, between Rui Diaz, Roldan, uh, Lodero, and uh, the resurgent Harry Ship. He had a nice goal in this one. So, I mean, yeah, this is a Seattle t- I We joked about it. I still think they have a chance of making quite again another playoff run at the very end uh as ridiculous as it is where they were at some point um but kim kihi uh, one of my favorite names in the league has been pretty good in the back for them marshall's still there um nuhu tolo at left back is tough to get by i don't think their defense is as scary as it once was uh, of, of the past years when they made the mls cup but uh it it should be serviceable to get them into the playoffs and at that point you know Anything can happen, as they've proven many times. And like I said, for fi- former fireman Harry Ship finding himself in Seattle, I kind of thought he was done. Yeah, I didn't looks, think he had much left. But it looks like he might have one more run left in him. And it's good for Seattle, who... who kind of still need that presence. Need a lot. Uh, the Roldan brothers have been also pretty helpful for that defense. They run pretty much 90 minutes nonstop. Uh, with a healthy Ozzy Alonso, this team is completely exactly. different. You're also ignoring... World Cup quarterfinalist Gustav Svensson. Oh, how could I forget? Of course, who can also play center back if need be. Center mid, center back, quite versatile. One last game: LA Galaxy four, Orlando City three. What I was saying earlier about Orlando, if they were owned by PSG, they still couldn't buy a win. Yeah, Zlatan meanwhile scores a hat trick and now calls season ticket renewers to thank them. So anybody that had renewed their season tickets early got a call from Zlatan. That was nice. I'm sure. Apparently, he really loved it. You would think that they. They should be thanking Zlatan, right? That's probably what actually happened. They just didn't want to say it. They needed to make it seem a bit better for the PR side. But, like, all seriousness, uh, we did mention the whole Zlatan uh, Joseph thing. I mean, both are really important for what their team do. I mean, Atlanta is a young, fast team. They probably wouldn't be very good with, as good with, uh, you know, Zlatan. Galaxy are a, you know, old school, uh, star studded team with old stars. Maybe Joseph wouldn't be as great there. Yeah. I mean, mean, Zlatan's fitting pretty well so far, all things considered. It's worked out well for them. Uh, The Galaxy have found a way to get the best out of a lot of their players now. And it looks like because they've got their basically their whole squad now available to them. Legette featured in this game off the bench. Boateng is still, you know, playing a role. You still have Carrasco on the bench. They have a lot of options and a lot of different ways they can attack you. So in that sense, I have to give them that. They seem to have finally found something that will yeah. at least work for them for now. But like you said, I'm. I, you see it here. This, Orlando City scored on three times, and it just wasn't enough. I mean, but... or, or, the thing with Orlando is they do create chances. They had that game earlier in the week uh, against, I think it was NYCFC we were talking about, where they did hit the work several times. They got chances there. They scored. Or, they didn't score, but they had chances. Uh, There's a lot of holes in that Galaxy defense. Absolutely right about that. Uh, but they, this is a team that in the last four games, three on the road, have won three and drawn one. So it's things are looking up for the Galaxy. Another goal for Dom Dwyer, by the way, puts him in nine. 
Not worried about it. CJ Sapong's at three. Oh, my goodness. Well, that does it for the MLS action this week. There is, however, one other game that took place. It's uh, Emmett's favorite game of the year, the MLS All-Star game. Brad Guzan was in- interviewed during the game. I am not sure how I feel about that. I guess I don't really care because it's an All-Star game. And, uh, I mean, if they want to try something like that out, why am I to stop them? Yeah, who who needs a goalie communicating with their defense and backline and stuff? If someone tried to interview you during a game, short of punching them in the face, right? I mean, I'm a pacifist. I wouldn't even dream of it. I would politely decline. Well, I mean, okay, it's, like we said, it's the All Star Game. He's in his hometown, or where his team plays, at least. I was gonna say, Brad Guzan is not from Atlanta. He plays in Atlanta. <laughs> it's it's a the, the game is a gimmick. The interview's a gimmick. It's fine. You're a gimmick. I am. I absolutely am a this gimmick. This podcast the, is a gimmick. I'll be the first to admit that. Now, here's the question. MLS tied 1-1 here in this game. Lost on penalties to Juventus. Sad. Is this a bad result for MLS? The thought that the best players from an entire league, every, what do we have, 44 teams, 45 teams in the league? Is that even close? No, it's 25, right? 25 teams in the league. 24. 24. 23. 23. And they can't beat, uh, you know, just a single team from Europe. An European league. It's a good team. It's a, one of the Europe's best. Uh, and that team that's not even at full strength. Is it a bad thing for MLS that happens? Or is it a good sign that this is a team that had no time to prepare together and get their tactics sorted out, that they can compete neck and neck with a European giant? I'm not sure you're going to like this answer I'm going to give you, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it really just doesn't matter. Because i got to say this. The way I see it is I, I can see both sides of that question that you gave me, but for me it always it just comes down to this. This this game as seriously as any one of those players want to tell me they were taking it. At the end of the day, it just it's just a friendly. It, it, it's all it really is. Nobody there is. It, it's not the case of like oh it's it's an MLS player like trying to showcase his talents. Maybe Juventus will notice. It's 2018. Trust me. If they want you, they will certainly someone will pass you along. You will you're you will not be making a first impression against Juventus at an All Star game. It's just not going to happen. You're playing against a lot of their B players. It, there's nothing wrong with losing in pen- first of all. Yeah, losing like in penalties. I mean, okay, yeah, I guess the game ended in a draw for me. The game it's ended a, yeah, it's in a draw, draw. And, but there has to be a winner because it's an exhibition, and we're not about to end an exhibition in a draw for what? We have the teams there. You might as well go to the shootout, give the fans some fun at the end. So I, I see nothing wrong with this for MLS in terms of quote unquote losing. I see nothing great about it because they, you know, took Juventus to penalties. I could easily put it that way too, right? Oh, they took Juventus to penalties. I mean, okay. I, I, if there's, I guess there's one thing. I, if another person that might deserve some credit is Tata Martino for getting his team together and getting them to play as a unit and only giving up one goal. If you had, what, what did Tata Martino have, four days? Not even? No, yeah. I mean, how many people are actually there trying to actually okay. practicing tactically for this game? So Tata Martino basically had like two days to get every single one of these players on the same page. He played a ton of them, too, by the way. He didn't... Like, he had an 11, and then, like... I, I, Before I, half, he subbed out three or four. Exactly. So, he... Uh, mostly everybody that goes plays, right? So, he... he well, played, he takes one if they're not going to play. He takes... He, he he played a lot of players. He he only gave up one goal. For me, That that's who should be getting some credit here. <laughs> he, he got them to, like, buy into a system, I guess. Like they, they, they didn't look disorganized by any stretch, so... They had regular midfielders. In the past, they just generally play with six forwards or attacking midfielders and, and just four defenders off. yeah yeah it's like our fantasy team 
basically. So that's that's where I stand. I it just it doesn't mean a whole lot to me. But I also, I, so I wouldn't take it as a chance to disparage MLS because I think that's absurd. And I also wouldn't take a chance to say, oh, see, look how great the MLS All Stars are. It's a gimmick. The it game's is. a gimmick. It's, it's fine. fine. It's a moneymaker. I mean, hey, it's fun. You get to see all the stars playing together. Oh, look, there's Valeri and Piatti playing next to each other. Ooh, Joseph and no, no Zlatan. Sorry, but it's, you get the idea. Hey, that Zlatan's gonna be sus- now. See, that's absurd. Zlatan's gonna get suspended for this next one. Well, because if you think about it, why would you go to the All Star game? Okay, yeah, it's a gimmick. It's fun. You get to go to have a vacation. It's a chance to get injured. It is a chance. It's a, to get it's a time away from your team where you can be training and getting better. It is, and so in that I sense, think most I, players would want to say no. I agree. Some with you. get to go. Also, I understand game, yeah. why the rule exists. I don't understand why, in the case of like, I, I, well, actually, I shouldn't even say that. I know why they don't give him an exception because then they have to make an exception for anybody because that's absurd. So I, I, I guess I understand. I just think it's absurd that we that we're suspending players for not going to the All Star game. Yeah, we've it's gotten to that point. That's just absurd. Uh, no, we move on then to what to look out for this week. Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, it's Atlanta United versus Toronto FC. And then Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern on FS1, it's New York Red Bulls against LAFC. That should be a good one. That's going to be a great game. My match of the Guarantee. week, Orlando City versus New England on Saturday in the We're Falling Off and the We Have to Do Something About It Bowl. That's a great you? bowl. I I honestly can't look at the Red Bulls and Los Angeles FC and not say that I, I'm not going to watch that game. I mean, it's... Red Bulls always exciting, LAFC always exciting. Teams that concede three goals pretty consistently. Should we'll, be a good one. We'll see goals. LAFC's a team who's good on the road because they didn't have a home stadium for the first few months. So uh, I'm excited to see them back on the road after a long stretch of home games. Yeah, makes sense to me. How do we feel? Let's sort of shift over to some uh, TV now that we've now that we've outed ourselves as TV insiders. Of course, we have the best opinions on TV rights deals. How do we feel about this Turner Bleacher Report Live $80 a year package for the Champions League and Europa League? It's their whole service, by the way. It's not just like you only get the Champions League and Europa League. You also get like, oh, they have the Belgian League and they have the Scottish, uh, the, the uh, Scottish, what's it called? The Scottish Premier League. I, I mean, if you know that the Belgian League is the Juleper League. Then good for you. Maybe you want to watch it. But I believe it's Jupiter, not Jupiter. Jupiter. It's the same thing. How dare you? It's uh, to stop disparaging like the seventh, not probably like the ninth best league in Europe. Okay. But there you have it. It's, it's that's what we've. That's what it's come to, people. It's not something that really that Ameri- many Americans gonna want to watch. Like, oh, okay, maybe you know you got a, a but, guy on standard Liège that you really want to watch. But I mean, listen, the we Mexicans might want to watch our show. I don't know. The the big thing here is. You're getting it for the Champions League and Europa League, right? Yeah. You're not buying it. You're not buying it because you get a chance to watch the Belgian League. The the thing with this is we have a benchmark already with ESPN Plus, these online streaming services, which is sixty bucks a year. You get MLS, USL, uh, any other soccer. Uh, you get the you get the English league, the English football league. So like championship, championship. League One, League Two, which is about I put as about as high and as Carabao this, Cup. Which I put about as high as the you know Scottish and Belgian league. Oh, to watch league the championship is way better. Championship is better, but championship and USL people actually follow the championship. So here's the thing, right? You get the Champions League, okay, but how many games is that? Because there's there's really not that many games, all things considered. Game days that you can watch. Because games overlap. There's like something like we have like sixty days of games you can watch. 
Um, we we did this math, and I'm I'm sad that we kind of forgot the exact amount that we basically figured out. But yeah, there's only so many days that you can be watching Champions League, right? Like, and there's and so you're limiting yourself to that. I'm assuming I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that there's going to be some kind of like on demand DVR feature, whatever you want to call it. I'm assuming that's what's going to happen, so you'll be able to watch these games later. But the reality to me is this. You're only watching one game at a time. At best, maybe you watch two. I, st- I, I don't. I, you're a fan of a team. I really doubt you're watching more than one anyway. So, for me, it really comes down to: is it worth it to you to to have all of that? Because that's basically what you're paying for, right? You're basically you're. If you pay the eighty dollars, you're saying it's because you want to watch as much Champions League and as much Europa League as possible. Otherwise, you're just not getting your money's worth. And it, listen, it's during the day. These are. 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock games. You should so probably be working. If you're working or at school, it's already tough to watch all of these. Uh, maybe you can do it either way. That's great for you. Look at ESPN+. Plus. We do have things like E60, 30 for 30. There are shows like MLS Rewind, Kobe Bryant's basketball show. They've all these experimental things. You get you know, baseball and whatever stuff they decide to throw out there. So there's options to watch. Fantasy show with Matthew Barry. If that's your, you know, if that's your thing for a lot of people, uh, if, you know, fantasy football is life or death. So I think what we're looking at, it's $20 more a year for less content, but you get the biggest soccer competition, arguably, in the world on I a will, year-to-year basis. I will give them this. I do appreciate them basically putting the games, because there's going to be games on TNT on TV, right? It's not going to be completely on there. Well, the Champions League, I should say. The Europa League is completely on this service except for the final. So there will be games on TNT, and if I read the press release correctly, it does mention that you will be able to watch the games from TNT on this service. Because remember, ESPN Plus, if you don't have a cable subscription, technically you couldn't actually watch any of the games that are being played on the networks. This, yes. The ESPN package, the ESPN Plus, only includes things that are exclusive to that service. There's not like an add-on for Watch ESPN yet. I imagine at some point that will probably be a thing, but probably when the cost jumps eventually. So I will give them that. That's that's a pretty solid move on their part. But it's like you mentioned, right? Sixty dollars a year for ESPN Plus. You can pay fifty dollars a year for NBC Sports Gold, where if you want to watch all the Premier League games. To me, that that's that also is absolutely terrible. That NBC Sports Gold thing, yeah, but it's it's fifty bucks. Uh, I mean, that's it's not terrible, but I, I, the the reason I say it for NBC Sports is like there are other things there too, like you mentioned. But it's not it's almost similar to Bleacher Report Live, and that the other things are like oh, it's cycling, and I mean if you're into that, NASCAR, great, which is a big sport, I'm told. But it's not, not it's not on gold though, is it? NASCAR? Yeah, NBC on, owns that. No, no, no. So, so that's my point though. It's not on gold. Like so, like, gold is the same way. You can't watch like stuff on NBCSN and NBC. Which they wouldn't I, put NASCAR on. See, that's the thing, right? That's, that's a fatal the, flaw. That's I what bothers me. Is like I like the NBA would never end up on. This would never happen. <laughs> this this is just. <sighs> There's so many leagues in soccer split markets, so it makes sense that it's difficult for them to market. You know. And say, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. But we did see Fox do a great job with the Champions League and having that on cable and Europa League. So, you know, it's it's not the worst thing I've heard. Champ, if you you know, championship Champions League and Europa League are great. Um, it's not like it's going to be that different from Fox, all things considered, except for not really having Europa League available. They're still going to be playing Champions League games on TNT, so there's still going to be opportunities for that. But you know, I. 
more than anything, I guess it's exciting that there's more soccer opportunities out there to watch. It's it's things that it's spread out. Before it was, you know, Fox and ESPN. Now it's Fox and ESPN and NBC and Fox and NBC and ESPN and, Tur- and Turner, right? So Man, you have to If you had told the- me this time last year that Turner Sports was going to have the Champions League, I would have said, for what? And where? What are they going to do? Have Charles Barkley on it? And CBS used to have NPS, uh, NESL. That's it's The fact that four major league ways to watch soccer are spread across four different networks makes it very t- difficult for a soccer fan. So, so you're probably not going to have all of them. So that's the thing, right? So I, I did. I set, I, I set this up as a Chelsea fan. I said to myself, what would I need to do if I actually wanted to watch all these games legally and having paid for all of them? I'd have to have cable because I need cable to watch games on NBCSN and on CNBC. I'm just, and I'm just going to go ahead and say having cable also includes NBC, the the over the air channel. I'm just going to toss that in as a freebie. I'm not going to not going to uh, charge myself for that. Then I have to have ESPN Plus if I want to watch the Carabao Cup and the Community Shield on Sunday because the Community Shield is being put on ESPN Plus for a one off right now. And then I still need Bleacher Report live for the Europa League. And then I also will need one of those services that I just mentioned for the FA Cup because that still hasn't been sold in the US that's a lot of money for one team to follow I mean I'll do some quick math for you here let's just say I buy the whole the whole package the whole shebang for Bleacher Report Live that's 80 bucks for ESPN Plus that's 60 bucks we'll make it uh, that's 140 some cable I, I most basic cable packages seems to come with NBCSN and CNBC so we'll we'll call it 30 bucks a month for cable that's thirty bucks a month, by the way. So over the course of a year, that's three hundred and sixty dollars. I have now come to. What are you looking at me for? Oh, I thought you were following me. Five hundred? Uh, no, no, no. One forty plus three sixty. Oh, it is five hundred. All right. Well, okay. So now the cable thing, to be fair, kind of increases the cost. But you see my point, right? Like. But did you buy uh, NBC Gold? I did. Oh my goodness! I didn't. You. I, I completely forgot about that. That's right. If you wanted to watch all the games, because you remember, each team will have at least four, not three this year, four games on NBC Sports Gold exclusively, no matter which team it is. So usually most of the bigger teams will have only that minimum requirement for. But if, again, if you want to watch those four games, you got to have that too. That's another 50 bucks. $550 till I can watch every Chelsea game legally in this country. Might cost you less to get season tickets. I don't know about that. But I I do know <laughs> that, but England, maybe. that is absolutely absurd when you put it like that. So, like I said, uh, not great. And not a fan. I mean, so I Beecher Report does give you the option to, if you just want to buy one game, it's $2.99. So, we talked about this, right? It's $2.99. So, it's $3 a game, basically, right? $3 a game in the Europa League. There's six match days in the group stage, right? That's $18. Then in the knockout stage, let's say that Chelsea gets to like the final because they should. Chelsea should absolutely win the Europa League. That's round of 32, round of 16, quarterfinals, semifinals, final. That's nine knockout stage games. If I did my math right, hopefully I did. That's 15 games in the Europa League total. So that's 45 bucks. So that helps. If you just want to focus on if that, but you can't just, watch anything else. If I just wanted to watch Chelsea in the Europa League, it's $45. So I've now decreased my cost from... 80 to 45 And so I've decreased my total cost to just over $500 now. Yeah, and that's unfortunately a state of 
watch being a soccer fan in this country right now. If you want to watch NFL, you can pretty much watch what you want. If you just get NFL Game Pass or uh, have, watch it on cable. I mean, if you if you live in the area, right, it always makes things easier because if you have cable, you can just watch all the games. Except for Chicago Fire and ESPN Plus, and you have to have ESPN Plus. Yeah. My goodness. And that, again, and that's just me who follows one team. Can you imagine if anybody wanted to watch more than one team doing I mean, this nonsense? We know someone who follows Real Madrid and Manchester United. That's true. Think we how do. much more that would be. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's just, that's, to be fair, that's just being sports. So you just have to get a higher cable package, which 30 bucks probably doesn't get you. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that's where, that's where we are. Uh, I, I, we may have the, we may be dragging this one out a little too much. And, you know, maybe people, maybe $500 in the grand scheme of things isn't all that much. But, I mean, it's not great. We're coming from a time where streaming was you know, free or, you know, you watch things on cable, which was already like a set, basically a fixed price for most households. So we're entering a new frontier in the soccer broadcast and how we watch our games. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah. So um, one more thing, community shields on Sunday, <laughs> by the way, that aforementioned community shield, I don't know how it's going to go. And I just, I have a bad feeling that Chelsea's probably not going to do too well, given that Hazard, Courtois, I maybe William will be involved. He's back in training finally, but that seems like a kind of a short turnaround for him. Conte won't be there. That's gonna be pretty rough. I I don't I don't know if I have too many expectations for Sunday. I just hope they they rally around. Sorry. I mean, Pep equivalently has no De Bruyne. You know, who else am I missing? Um, Depends on who else is gonna be is there. Jesus gonna be back. I mean, but you would assume Aguero will probably be back. He, uh, you know, depends on how far they made it, but he's had a lot of people who made it to the knockout stage. Uh, I'm playing the victim card here. Leave me alone. No, it's true. There's more, you know, you have more people who made it further in the tournament on Chelsea, all things considered. So that'll be an interesting game. Uh, Pep is a big fan of Sarri and his attacking style. So um, we're probably not going to see as much Conte's counterattacking against Pep. Uh, so this could be a very end-to-end game. Uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, for sure. Should be interesting, and again, ESPN Plus—that's a one-time thing. We still don't know who's going to end up with the FA Cup rights or Serie A because they're bundled together this time. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, also on Saturday, the Trophy de Champions in France. If that's PSG your kind of thing. And Monaco. If, if you're starving for action, it's one day earlier. So. So European soccer around the corner. World Cup ends. MLS still going on. It's a non-stop life doing soccer. Anyway, that's all the time we have this week for the American Soccer Show. Don't su- don't forget to subscribe to us. Check out past episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're everywhere these days for all your American soccer needs. Until <laughs> next time, I'm Emma McConnell, and what is this, Eric? Apparently, the, this game gets played in China, by the way, in case you were wondering. The, uh, the French Super Cup is now Chinese. Uh, so it's a friendly. Yes. Well, we already knew that, but... Anyway, Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantor, signing off.